Good morning, Christ Church. Hey, it's good to be back with you. I missed, uh, thanks, yeah. That was a little forced, but I'll take it. Um, but yeah, can we uh, give a big thanks to Tina, to Aubrey, and Jackie? Thank you, guys. And again, church man, thank you so much for just your love and support uh, these last couple weeks. Uh, again, it just means the world to me and Allie, and, and I appreciate it so much. And today we're going to continue our sermon series, uh, Stop Trying and Start Training. And if you remember uh, several months ago, because I know you don't forget any sermon that I preach. I know that, that once preached, it is locked in there for good, Amen. And, uh, and so you remember this, but I told you about this, this guy that was attempting the world pull-up record, Truett Haynes. And, and the world pull-up record was just over 8,000 pull-ups in 24 hours. And I told you that, that he went and he tried it, and he got to about 4,000, and he, and he didn't make it. He, uh, he failed. And so then he, uh, you know, kind of re figured out, hey, what was going on? What happened? And the next six months, he upped his training to a couple thousand pull-ups a week. So before he was just doing a couple hundred a day, and now he's doing like thousands a week. And just a couple weeks ago, he went and did it. 8,100 pull-ups in 24 hours. Isn't that amazing? And that's, that's uh, like 340 pull-ups an hour. If you divide by four and get, <laughs> if my math is right, uh, incredible. But you know what the, the difference was between attempt one and attempt two was training. That was it. And today we're going to talk about training so that we can continue to grow and become what God has for us to be. Because trying is not enough, we need to train. So let's pray and we'll dive into it. Father, Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be together. Father, I pray that you would bless us and help us to see the wisdom and power of humility in our lives. Lord, I pray we could put it on. We, we could practice it in our relationships, in our connection to you. And I pray you would be glorified in all that we do. Help us to see the beauty and the power of humility in Christ. And I pray it would draw us in. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to talk about training in humility. Learning to, learn to, to make that a part of our lives. And I want to share with you this passage from 1 Peter that explains it to us. And it's 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to start at verse 5. Here's what it says. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, and if you have a Bible today, you can underline or circle that phrase, all of you, all of you, with humility toward one another. And then this line is so important. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, there's so much power in these verses. And I'm not going to be able to unpack all of it. I haven't preached in three weeks, so I am tempted to do like an hour and a half up here. But (laughs) thank God we got some Christians in the back over here. God bless you. Uh, but but we're gonna we're gonna hit you know some of the, some of the highlights and, and, and the main points here. But as you can see, there there is this theme of humility in these verses, right? It's it's mentioned several times. That that's the main call to action. And I want to give you a little bit of a sense of what I mean, what I think the scriptures mean by this word humility. Charles Swindoll has uh, some good insight on this word. He says, uh, go back one. He says, humility isn't a result of having a poor self-image. So when we think about humility, you know, you might think about the person who is just always, you know, demeaning themselves, who thinks they're worthless. That, that's not humility. That's unhealthy. You with me on this? Humility, it's not having a sense of a poor image. It's not self-hatred. It's not that kind of thing. In fact, true humility comes from a place of strength and inner security. Humble people are actually very, very, very strong. Prideful people actually lack that inner strength. And they're, and they're trying to sort of project something different. You with me on this? So true humility comes from a place of inner strength and inner security. Genuinely humble people who have a desire to seek the well-being of others are generally very secure people. He goes on. They're fully aware of their gifts, their training, their experience, all the attributes that make them successful at whatever they do. So humility is, it's recognizing, hey, we do have things that God has made us good at. We do have things to bring to the table. But here's what the humble person does. They're they're not focused on themselves. That's the big thing. They're focused on others. They're focused on God. They're they're entering a room and, and they're looking And they're thinking, how can I add value? How can I serve instead of how can people add value to me and serve me? You with me on this? And and this is what humility is about. And in this text, if you notice, there are tremendous benefits that come with humility. Let me just list them out for you. Number one, uh, Peter tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we practice humility, it brings grace into our lives. It brings God's grace. It brings all all the the benefits and blessings that come with his grace come into our lives through humility. Second, he says that, that when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God at the proper time, he will exalt us. That that in other words, God God will make sure that we get the, the recognition, the appreciation, the opportunities, whatever that we need. That when we practice humility, then what we're doing is we're ultimately trusting the trajectory of our life into God's hands, which is a good place to do it, right? Because there's times, hey, we all want to be appreciated, right? We all want to be noticed. We all, none of us want to be 
you know, taken for granted or anything like that. But, but here's what humility says. It says, I'm not going to live for those things. I'm going to trust those to God and God to take w- me where he wants me to be in his time. And then lastly, Peter says that when we practice humility and we go through painful times in our life, God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. That, that when you go through pain and suffering and, and you, you practice humility through that, it means God then, through those difficulties, will restore us. He'll, this is kind of the word when a, when a doctor has to reset a bone and put it in the right place. It's God, what is, what is out of whack in us, God will put in the proper place. He'll establish us. He'll, he'll confirm us. He'll, he'll affirm his purpose, his calling, his will, his desire. He'll strengthen us. He'll give us a solid foundation to live on. So what I'm trying to show you today is that the benefits of humility are amazing. You with me on this? What, the, the benefits that the scriptures tell us are amazing. And all the help that you and I need in our lives today is on the other side of humility. All, all the, the resources that, that we need from the Lord, all the ways, man, we, we hope and we desire God to work in our life, they're all on the other side of humility, which is why this practice is so incredibly important. Now, what makes humility so difficult? Because let's be honest, have you ever looked around and said, you know what, I think some of the people in my life could use a little bit more humility? Is is there anybody that you work with and you're like, man, a little bit of humility would go a long way, amen? Anybody that that you're related to, that you're like, a little bit of humility would be a good thing? Anybody that you live with? You don't have to answer that one, but... Don't, we, we look around, and, the, and there's generally can be a lack in humility. And if we're really honest today, do you ever look in the mirror and think, I probably should maybe practice a little bit more humility. That's a harder thing to do. But here's what, here's what Peter says. I want you to see. He says, all of you clothe yourself with humility. And one of the great challenges of humility is coming to terms with the reality that all of us could use a little more of it. I remember there, there was uh, definitely, you know, times in my life where, where I really, like, in my own mind, I was like, you know what, Chet, I think you are a humble person. I, I don't know why you're laughing at that right now. And listen, I wasn't saying you're an A-plus honor roll student. You're a B, you know, maybe a C-plus. But C's get degrees, amen? That's been my total approach to education. <laughs> and and, I, and I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was like this, you know, Mother Teresa or anything like that. But I was like, you know, you're, you're doing okay in humility. You, you kind of, you know, you're a, you're a low B, you're a 78%. Uh, that kind of thing. And then these intrusive thoughts started to come into my mind. Some of them came from my wife. Some of them came from other places. 
But, but there are thoughts like this. Well, Chet, like what makes you see yourself as humble? Because you always really work very hard to get your way, you know? And you really don't like it when anything interferes with your way. You, you kind of have this, this tendency to, to really always think you're right, and God forbid you find out you're not. God, God forbid you find out you're, you're not right. You know, it's, it's very hard for you to come to terms with that. So what kind of makes you think that there's a lot? And after all these being bombarded by these thoughts, I thought, you know what? Maybe my self-assessment is a little bit off. You ever been there? And, and I think there, that that's kind of a reality with, with humility, that our self-assessment's probably a little bit suspect. And what Peter says is that you have to assume that you can grow in it. You have to assume that it's important that you grow in it. He says all of you, young, old, everyone in between, all of us can stand to grow in humility. And, and your first obstacle to growing in it is not thinking that you need to. It's not thinking that it would, it would be good. And I want to challenge each of us today to say, hey, we could all stand to grow in it more. And it would be a good thing for every area of our lives. But now here's the second thing that Peter shows us in these passages. Did, did you notice that he talks about humility and then he talks about the devil? Do you see that connection? And interestingly enough, if you read another New Testament book, the book of James, James chapter 4, there's this same progression where James talks about humility and then he talks about the devil. And, and there's, there's a connection here um, that I want us to see. That there, there's an enemy that is, that's agenda is to keep us from living a life of humility, believe it or not. And that often in life, one of the, the most challenging things in life is that we will identify the wrong enemy. I remember when I was in elementary school, my neighbor was my best friend. His name was Michael Jordan. It's no lie. His name was, he was not Michael Jordan though, but it was an awesome name. And, uh, and, and we were best friends, and there was another kid that lived, you know, a few houses down from us. So we all rode the same bus, you know, we were all kind of lived in the name, na same neighborhood. And me and Michael were, were best friends, and this other kid, um, he, was, he was like, you know, a, kind of a little overconfident, if you will. And it kind of rubbed us the wrong way, because I was like, hey, there's only room for one overconfident person on the street. And, and I got that, I got that squared away, you know, um, kind of thing. So anyway, so, so him and my friend, they, they kind of got in a little scuffle and, uh, and, and they were, they were going to fight, you know, um, they're going to, and they, you know, when you're in like, when you're seven or eight years old, you know, you schedule a time for this and it's, it's a whole thing. Um, and so they scheduled the time and, and I was like, listen, man, uh, if your enemy is my enemy, I got your back. I'll go there with you. Well, the day they were going to fight, I got sick or something. I didn't go to school. <laughs> so he went alone. And afterwards, I said, hey, man, what, what happened? 
He's like, well, we, we got there, and we just started talking, and we became friends. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a little anticlimactic, but, but that's cool. Well, I guess he's my friend now, too. And so for the rest of our educational lives through high school, we were all friends and had a, had a great time. This is, guys are weird. Some of you may not understand how the male mind works, uh, but it, it, it works out this way. And, and interestingly enough, you know, I think so many times we pick the wrong enemies in life. We fight the wrong fights. We, we battle the wrong things. And so many people in our life that we're tempted to really hate, to not like, to see as an enemy might be, and often is, people God wants us to love and are even maybe friendships waiting to happen. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, church, can I just remind you this morning that, man, our, your family is not your enemy. I know there, there's division, there's hurt, there's pain that comes into our families. And because of things that happen and the pain that's experienced, sometimes we, we want to identify different family members as enemies. And I just want to remind you, that's your misidentifying. Now look, there's stuff you got to work through, and there's forgiveness and reconciliation, trust that needs built, but, but they're not our enemy. Here's what Peter shows us. There is an enemy. There is an enemy. And it's the unholy one. It's the devil. That's our enemy. And here's how, here's how he works. He works through our ego. See, I, you know, we're right around Halloween here. And, you know, have you ever noticed, like, on Netflix or whatever, there's all these, like, demon possession movies and stuff. And all this stuff's out there. And all, all of them are coming into the, the theaters. And when I was a kid, like, that's how, that's how I thought evil worked, you know? Like, I'll recognize evil because it's going to be a rundown, dilapidated house where things, like, okay, there's evil. I'll steer clear of that. You know what I'm saying? All right, there, there's evil. It's, a, uh, it's an abandoned, insane asylum, you know? Yeah, okay, I won't go there. And, I'm, and that's how I'm going to avoid evil in my life. Oh, I'll recognize evil because you know, all of a sudden, people's heads are spinning, they're crawling up walls and speaking Latin. Um, but here's the deal, church. Here's the deal. <laughs> well, that, anyway. The, 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 the way that evil works is through our ego. That's how it works. The way that, that, the, what, the, the way that, that evil works is kind of those times where, where we're, arguing with our spouse and there's like this this impulse to be like no you know what you need to hold your ground because you're right amen and and you know what you're not only right about this there's all this stuff you've been right about you know what i'm saying that it's 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 the evil is is what's inflating that in you evil's the, the thing that's saying no 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 don't don't apologize they need to apologize to you. Evil's a, it's the thing that, that inflates us that says, you know what, the rules are, are different for me. With me on this? And that's the enemy, church. And when you battle your ego, 
you're actually battling evil in the world. When we battle our ego and, and, we, and we strive towards humility and we strive to humble ourselves before the Lord and we strive to, to practice humility in our relationships, guess what? Whether you know it or not, you are defeating evil in those moments. And when we let those moments pass or we give in to them, that's where, that's where the real danger is. If you want to be afraid of something this Halloween, be afraid of an unchecked ego in you. That's what, that's what we should be. You're not going to find a scary movie about that. But I'm telling you, that's the scariest movie that you can find right there. That's the thing that is most going to hurt your marriage, most going to hurt your parenting, most going to hurt your, your friendships, and, and your, your whole life is an unchecked ego. And that's the battle we need to put our energy into fighting. Now, how do we then practice humility? Peter says, all of you clothe yourself with humility. Here, here's what's interesting about that. Peter, I let, he's, saying, he's saying you're not going to find it in you. You have to put it on from the outside. That humility is, is, is a practice that is is always going to feel a little bit foreign to us. It's, it's always going to, to require a, a, new, a new way of thinking and living and relating to others. I love what Charles Swindoll says about this. He says, you want to be like Christ? Find the least desired position, the task no one else wants, the worst seat in the house, and claim it and make it yours. So just, just look around your ordinary life and think about those things that, that you can do without glory, without fanfare, without credit, without this, this posture that says, look at me, but with this posture that says, man, I just want to be a blessing. I want to serve. I want to help. And he says when you do that, you're practicing humility. Church, go to, go to your spouse. If you're married, go to your spouse this week. And be like, hey, babe, what, what could I do this week that would be helpful to you? Give me a couple things. And once you resuscitate them off of the ground and bring them back to life, then, then, then do, you know, we got an AED if you need to take that home with you to prepare for the conversation. But once, once they're, you know, back um, conscious again, do uh, you listen to what they have to say and, and practice it? And not, you know, so you can throw it in their face later on. So you remember that one time? Remember that one time I asked you what I could do and I did it? Yeah, yeah. No, not like that. Um, or go, go to your, go to your, go to, your, go to the, the place that you work and ask like a coworker or your boss and be like, hey, look, I got a little margin this week, like, is there anything I can do that would be helpful? Like, I don't care. You need to take out the trash, whatever. Because what, what you're doing is you're just putting yourself in a posture of humility. Because you're saying, hey, it's not, it's not about me. I, I'm here to be a blessing. I'm here to serve. I'm here to use what God has given me, the energy, the gifts, the intelligence, all of this to add value. And guess what you're doing? You're putting yourself in a place where grace can flow through you. 
where God can say, that's a heart I can work with. That's a heart that I will promote in my time and in my way. You with me on this, church? And, and it's powerful. I heard this language this week of the difference between um, I'm here and there you are. And they were talking about in the context of being uh, a church in that way. Being a church where we're kind of I'm here or there you are. And, and what they meant by that was that like when, when we come into church, do we have the mentality of like, hey, everybody, I'm here. I'm here. Did you all get the, get the memo? I'm here, you know. Serve me, help me. And, and we're kind of orienting around how people are, are they seeing us? Are they interacting with us? Are they kind of meeting all of our needs, right? That's an I'm here mentality. A there you are mentality is where you come into church and you're like, there you are. You, I'm going to pray for you today. There you are. I'm going to pray for you. There you are. I, I'm going to help you come through the parking lot, whatever, carrying stuff. There you are. I'm going to make sure that you feel welcomed and loved and accepted. And I, and I loved uh, that thinking. And I was like, church, I want to be a there you are church, amen? I want to be the kind of church that's, that's looking around and saying, look, God's got my back. He's going to take care of me. I feel his love. I'm strengthened in his love. And I'm going to come and I'm going to look to bring that to other people's lives. In other words, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about what God can do through me to help other people. You with me on this, church? That's an I'm there. And to me, that's humility. That, that's a, a way to practice it. So humility needs practice. Humility is something that, that we grow in through pursuing it, through action, through orienting our hearts and minds differently. Then here's the, the second thing Peter tells us, that humility trusts the mighty hand of God. See, to live a, a humble life, I have to grow my trust in God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Here's how I understand it. It means this, life is confusing. And how many times... When life doesn't go the way that we want, do we want to leverage that as a reason to distrust God? Circumstance didn't turn out the way that I want. Is God really trustworthy? Right? How many times do we, do we want to go down that road? How many times do we, do we go down that road? Here's what humility calls out of us. That in those moments, we trust the mighty hand of God. I don't have to connect all the dots in this. I don't have to know all the ins and outs, all the whys of this. But here's what I do know. I trust your heart. I trust your wisdom. I trust your goodness. Charles Spurgeon has this great line. He says, kiss the wave that throws you upon the rock of ages. Kiss the wave. See, what humility does is it helps me to see some of the pain and difficulty of life, the wave. And it, and it enables me to see it differently. Where I see, man, that, that was a wave, and it was scary, and it was big, and it was rough. But look where it brought me. It brought me to the throne of God. 
It brought me to, to a place of deeper trust, of deeper conviction, and deeper love for him. You with me on this, church? Humility chooses, because it's a choice, it chooses to trust the mighty hand of God. And humility grows as we rest in the confidence of God's protection and care. Peter says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Believe it or not, that is an act of humility. These, these last couple months, as we've been gear, gearing up for, for Teddy, we've had, in, in the Beatler family, we've had a lot of, like, big changes this year. Uh, some were big, some were, you know, moderately big, but, like, one of the things was, um, you know, I'm transitioning out of the National Guard this year, so that was a big change, but, you know, it's kind of an income for us. It's also who carries our insurance as a family, so our insurance has been phenomenal, you know, but now getting out of that, you know, I was, I was like, oh, man, what's this going to look like? What's this going to cost? And then with the new baby on the way, we had to get a new car. I had to, I had to break up with my Honda Accord. So it's so painful for me. Um, but then we got, you know, a new car, which was a lot more expensive. And, and there, was, there was all these things. Then I was, uh, you know, starting a new program in school. And so the last, like, several months, I've just been stressing about finances. I know none of you know what that's like. But, I, you, know, and, and I, you know, and I'm, like, doing all, you know, the math, carry the one here. Um, and, and it just, you know, it's, it starts to wig you out. And so for months, I was just, like, carrying that, you know, in preparation, thinking, all right, you know, this is going to change here, and this is going to change here. And, and it, it was just a lot of different things. Um, adding up. And I don't know if you know this, but kids are expensive. And I, <laughs> and I know some of you, you're like, just wait, dude. Just wait till, just wait till you got to get them a car and this and that. I know, I know. Um, but all that, it, it was, it was making me anxious, you know, and, and I was carrying it. I was carrying it. And, and when you carry that, you know, it doesn't do anything good for you. <laughs> You know, it makes you, irrit- I was getting irritable. I, w- I was de-energized. I was, you know, frustrated. I was just, you know, worried. And, you know, fear was growing in my heart. And just kind of as I was like praying through this, saying, all right, Lord, help us to be wise. You know, I know like all these things are good and right things. It's one thing, you know, if you're like making decisions that you know are really dumb. But here I was like, no, Lord, I think, I'm following your path as best as I understand it. I'm, I'm doing what, what you ask. And to, and to make a long story short, man, God really provided for us in some powerful ways. And, and when some of those things happened, I was like, it's like, Chet, how many times are you going to go through this cycle? How many times are you going to be in this place of worry and fear and then all for it to end with God showing up and helping you like he always does. Because I'll be honest, church, the hand of God has been clear in my life. You know, I, I've, this, this isn't my first rodeo with this kind of thing. I've had enough experiences with God where I've seen his hand help me and help my family and help people in our church and help loved ones where, where I just cannot deny that that was God hearing and helping and answering prayers. And so I, I went through this moment, and then I was like, Chet, when are you going to give him glory? 
When are you going to face this same kind of thing? And instead of carrying your fear, you cast it onto him because you know he cares for you. Church, there are some fears you and I are carrying today that we don't have to. There's some fear that we're carrying today where the Lord is like son or daughter. How many times do I have to show you? I care for you. And it's real. And my hand is not too short that it cannot save. And I will not forsake you. And here's, church, this is a freedom. If you're a follower of Christ today, you have this freedom to cast your worries on the Lord. Jesus invites us to, in a remarkable way, Peter, Paul, tell us to, again and again. Now, here's here's the deal. It's a freedom we have. It doesn't mean it's a freedom we exercise as followers of Christ. But do you know what I believe part of humility is? Is actually taking God up on his promises. And saying, Lord, just because I'm wigged out doesn't mean you stop being in control. Just because I'm panicked doesn't mean you stopped in your ability to provide for your sons and your daughters. And I'm going to give you glory in this moment by casting that upon you. You with me, church? In humility, it rests in the care and the protection of God. And here's all I can tell you. God is faithful. He, in the truest part of my heart, here's what I can tell you. He won't fail you. I don't know how he'll work. I don't know what his plan is, but I just know this. He will not fail you. He cares for you. And he alone is worthy to be trusted. And then Peter says, Peter says there, are, there are brothers and sisters all around that we can learn from and we can draw strength from. I love, I love the examples that call something greater out of you, you know? Like when I was watching that dude do the pull-up record, I was like, I need to start doing some pull-ups, you know? I, I, I felt strengthened. I hit a PR. I did 12 pull-ups in 24 hours. That's a half a pull-up an hour for 24 hours straight. <laughs> Amen. Pastor's been working out. And, uh, <laughs> but do you know, <laughs> do you know when, when, you, when you see someone live their life in a certain way and it makes you want to be better? That's, that's what Peter's talking about. Or that they live their life in a certain way and, and it shows you that there is a different way, that, that, that there is something more. And Peter says, look, there's, there's all kinds of brothers and sisters and we need to learn from them, and we need to draw strength from them. And as I was studying for this message, I came across this ancient quote. It's from Irenaeus. He was a, a very early follower of Jesus Christ in the Roman Empire, and he was arrested, and he was going to be thrown in the Colosseum and given to the wild beast to be eaten and killed, all right? Can we just agree? You, you don't get into more intense circumstances than that. And here's what he said about it. He said, let me be given to the wild beasts, for through them I can attain unto God. I am God's wheat. 
I am ground by the teeth of wild beasts that I may be found pure bread. Come fire and cross and grapplings with wild beasts, wrenching of bones, hacking of limbs, crushing my whole body. Come cruel torches of the devil to assail me. Only be it mine to attain unto Jesus Christ. That's wild, isn't it? I mean, what, what a developed soul that guy had. Amen? He didn't get there through trying. He got there through training. And, and it, it's remarkable that, that he would invite that, right? And I, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking, what, what leads us to the place where, where we can invite more humility into our lives? Because here's, here's what he was saying. He was saying to the, to the Roman world, to the powers that be, do whatever you want to me because all you're going to help me do is get more of Christ. So bring your worst. Whoa. That guy's got something figured out, amen? That's an example to learn from. He sees a beauty in humility because it brings him to Christ. And church, can I remind you that the life of Jesus Christ was a life marked by humility. The Apostle Paul says he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And God exalted him to the right hand that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Do you know when you practice humility, you are walking in the path of your master. You're walking the same hallowed ground as your Savior. And it is a place where God's work will be most profound in your life. Hey, today, if you need a move of God in your life, do what Peter says. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Go home today. Go into the quiet of your closet. Get down on your knees say, Lord, this whole life is yours. Church, if you've never done that before, if you've never just, just given God a blank check and said, my life, it's yours, that's the first act of humility to do today. To just unreservedly, no strings attached, no fine prints, Lord Jesus Christ, I give you I'm telling you, God's best for you is going to come on the other side of humility in you. And this is really, truly a beautiful thing. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. What do you need to bring God today to get his blessing? Absolutely nothing. He gives grace to the humble. What, what do you need to prove to God today to get his favor and his love on your life? You don't need to prove anything. You just need to go to him and say, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not spiritual enough. Uh, that's, that's, Peter says, that's when God's grace comes into our life. If we're still sitting here and, and we're thinking we, we've got to be something uh, more than we are today before God can love us and help us. 
man, I want to show you the beauty of the gospel. If you are broken and messed up and have problems, you're good to go. That's what you bring to him, church. And what does he do in response? He gives grace. Here's the thing that will ruin it is pride. Is when I go and I say, but God, I've done all these things. God says, I resist that. But, but Lord, look at, look at you know, all I've done and all these great things I've done and all the things I've gotten right and all the people I've helped and all the times I went to church. And, all, and God says, nope, that's what I resist. Because you don't get how this works. You don't realize that when you come with empty hands, only then can I fill them. When you come in brokenness, only then can I heal you. When you come empty, only then can I fulfill. And church, could we just end today and could we just have a moment of humility before the Lord? Could we just in, in, the, in the depths of our heart go to him and just one more time give him our life and come to him empty and trusting in his faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We do, Lord, just long to practice humility more and more in our lives. Father, we do long to see the beauty, the wisdom, the power of it. And Lord, help us to have those spiritual eyes, those new ways of thinking uh, that can help us to see it. And Lord, may it just honor and glorify you. Help us to trust you, Lord, to trust your care, your mighty hand. And Father, I pray that you can be glorified in us and through this. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.